Experience the feeling of powder floating up to your goggles. Take in a sweeping panoramic view from atop a mountain ridgeline. Feel the thrill of laying an edge on perfect corduroy and arcing a sweeping turn. Relax in front of a crackling fireplace at the end of a great day on the mountain. Welcome to Inside the Mountain Collective, the podcast series that takes you on a journey to the dream destinations included on the Mountain Collective Pass. Each episode will take you on a collective trek, visiting two or more resorts, giving you local insights into how to maximize your Mountain Collective Pass and to explore some of the sport's most exhilarating destinations. Check it out today at mountaincollective.com. Now join us on a collective trek with our local guides on Inside the Mountain Collective. As storms make their way inland from the Pacific Ocean each winter, the first speed bump they reach is the vast expanse of California's Sierra Nevada range. That little obstacle in the desert, with peaks stretching skyward up to 14,000 feet, creates a roadblock for storms which dump buckets of powder onto ski resorts from Mammoth Mountain to Palisades Tahoe. Today we're going to fly into Reno-Tahoe International Airport for a collective trek to some of the most stunning ski resorts in the world. One option is to grab your Mountain Collective Pass and drive three hours south of Reno Airport to Mammoth Mountain for a couple of days of skiing and riding. But today, we're going to take you up to the north shore of Lake Tahoe to experience one of the world's truly remarkable ski resorts, Palisades Tahoe, formerly known as Squaw Valley and Alpine Meadows. It's less than an hour's drive from Reno International Airport. And our tour guide on the mountain today is none other than Olympic champion Johnny Mosley. There is a lot of history at Palisades Tahoe. Great names in skiing, the 1960 Olympics, towering mountain peaks. We'll explore that today with one of the sport's biggest stars, Olympic gold medalist Johnny Mosley, who grew up with weekend trips to Tahoe and now still makes it his home mountain. Johnny, welcome to Inside the Mountain Collective. <laughs> Thanks. Great to be here, Tom. Hey, skiing is fun there, isn't it? I know you growing up as a kid, that was uh, quite an experience for you. That's really the name of the game. I mean, I, obviously, when I got on the ski team, I skied all around the world and and uh, loved those places. But I don't know. You just never. I've never had as much fun skiing as I have at Palisades Tahoe. And uh, I think it's just a, a matter of the terrain, and you know, there's a lot of details to it. But uh, it's just a really fun mountain to ski. Now, you grew up in the Bay Area, and you would make those treks, I imagine, with the family every weekend, so a little bit arduous doing that drive out there, but it, when, when you were a kid, I mean, what were the things you really looked forward to when you guys got into the car on a, on a Friday and drove out to Tahoe? Yeah, I mean, I do it with my kids now. I don't know how my parents did it uh, uh, on a sustained basis every weekend, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I would think about it all week. I mean, I would just, I was, I couldn't wait to get up there. And I, I think part of it was hanging out with my brothers, you know, in the car, hanging out with my family. Um, and then the second part I think I loved so much was, you know, we were on these little teams up there, you know, first the ski team and the freestyle team. So you, you go skiing with a group of, of, of kids or your brothers and you're free to just explore the mountain, right? You you're you might have a coach or something like that, but you know, you also spin off and ski on your own with your with your brothers or with your little ski team crew. And you're you're free, right? And there's so many places to explore 
and you know you you eat on your own and and you're just on your own schedule and there's just an endless amount of challenges there's an endless amount of silly stuff you can do um, an endless amount of trouble you can get into and so there's just a constant feedback of challenge reward challenge reward that is something that really uh that's what I enjoy. You know, I think that's my favorite thing in life is the feedback from challenge to reward. Johnny, how old were you when your family was comfortable just leaving you up on the mountain and saying, be back here at 3.30? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, pretty young. I, I think, you know, it's funny because I discussed this with my wife because our kids are 11 and 14 and, and sort of like, when, when can they just go out on their own? Um, and obviously, it's gotten a little bit older, but it's still pretty young. I mean, I, I would say I was released um, <laughs> probably around age seven or something. You like probably self released, though, I would <laughs> imagine. No I was you. the third of three boys, so I, I self released a lot earlier than, uh, than, than most other families. I think, uh, you know, by, that, by the third kid, your, your parents are like, he'll be fine. Yeah. Let's talk about your competitive career. At some point in time, it, it went from just being kind of a fun thing to being a competitive thing. And you and your brothers got into competitive mogul skiing pretty early on. We did. We did. We, we really uh, entered into the sport in kind of its, you know, growth phase. I, I wouldn't say it's, in, you know, obviously it started in the 70s, but it really started to gain sort of like mainstream growth in the mid 80s. And, uh, we were, we were weekend skiers. We were on the Alpine race team. Um, I was a mighty mite at the time, so I really hadn't even entered into any of the legitimate race programs, but my brothers were racing and 88, it was around 85 when we joined the, the newly minted freestyle team had formed. And it's kind of a funny scene because you basically had a world cup. The Olympics were starting to be in the picture, it was being considered for Calgary as a demonstration, and there was a guy there named Kevin Whiteman who was had come off the World Cup and start and started the first freestyle team. And so my older brother, who was always like a skateboarder, and he was just into punk. He was into you know, he was always looking at the next thing, you know. And um, and they had a contest there, and he was like, "Let's enter this mogul contest," you know. And uh, he signed us all up, and we competed in this dual mogul contest on KT. And we got to the bottom, and the Kevin White was there. He's like, "You guys should be on the freestyle team." And my brother's like, "Yeah, we should. We should do that. Like, let's. We're done with this racing stuff." So next day, pretty much, I mean, within a week, we had switched over to the freestyle team. And my dad was like, "Great, go for it." To his credit, and uh, one thing led to another, and we started doing ballet and aerials and moguls, and it just all started to steamroll on itself. But yeah, 85. Along the way, you picked up a real desire and a passion to be the best. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know when it was no fluke that you went into the Olympics in 1998 and won the gold medal. What was that process of reaching the point where you really became a top level competitor and you were inspired to not just have fun out there, but to, to really take that big prize? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I I mean, I I had I had the when I started competing out in out in Palisades, out in Squaw, I was really I was so early in the sport um that I think I was only one of like, you know, four or five 
eight, nine-year-olds in the whole Tahoe region competing in freestyle. So I had a very positive feedback loop because I was always top five. <laughs> so I, I, start, I, I think I was used to being kind of this top kid, right? Whether I was, it was a really competitive environment or not. So I, I liked being, getting the attention, you know, winning. And, and, um, and it, it did come to me fairly easily. I, I competed well, even from a young age. But I, I think fast forward to that, I think there's nothing like getting beat or crashing that really starts to motivate you to dig in and figure it out. And, you know, I, I kind of zoomed through the lower ranks. You know, one, uh, I got beat at Junior Nationals when I was 12 by some kids who lived in Steamboat. So then I started to really, you know, like lean on my parents to give me more time on the mountain and take more time off. Uh, I was like, I'll never be able to compete against these guys. They, they live on the hill every day. So I started to sort of formulate, like, how am I going to get better uh, from a young age? And then obviously that, like, really ramped up when I got on the World Cup. Because when I got on the World Cup, I, I got smoked. You know, I ended up winning junior nationals and NORAMs, and that got me to that next level. But that next level was really humbling. And I wasn't prepared for it at all. But I just started to really think, how can I, I don't, I don't like that feeling. I, what's chat? Where's the, there's the challenge. How am I going to get the reward? And so, um, I kept trying to figure that out and it, it was a long process, right? You do stuff that works, you do stuff that doesn't work. But to me, I think my mind works in that realm where I, and I don't always, I don't think I naturally will just be like, God, I want to go win that, but it doesn't, it doesn't take me long. You know, when you get, when you get punched in the face, you react, right? And so uh, I responded well to that on the World Cup and kept trying new things and trying out different routes, and it, it eventually you know, resulted in the gold. You won that gold medal in 1998, and all of a sudden you are America's celebrity. It was uh, quite a change of life for you and his... I mean, I, I look back on it now, it's almost 25 years, sorry uh, to tell you that, but, but it, it, it's, it's, it's really carried with you. Uh, how did that gold medal impact what you've been able to do with your life and the time you're now able to spend on skis at Palisades? Yeah, it, 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 was, it changed everything. I mean, I started to, I guess, make a career out of skiing um when i was 18 or 19 but it's certainly you know just starting to you know be able to sustain a life of competing on the world cup and but i never w thought oh I'll, i'm gonna make this my lifetime you know this is what i'm gonna do in my for my life uh i always thought i was gonna you know go back to school and then start another career or you know be, be an engineer or something like that um, when I won the Olympics, obviously that changed a lot of things, right? Um, obviously it, it sort of elevated my ability within the ski industry, but, uh, the TV opportunity, you know, I started to sort of branch out into other arenas, which have, uh, really sustained my ability to kind of be, I guess, as someone said the other day, be Johnny Mosley for a living. Um, and that's been, I've been really fortunate and, and I'm, I'm grateful to the industry uh, for sort of allowing that to happen for all the partners I work with still to this day in, in my mid, you know, 46 years old that I'm still of some value and, and I really appreciate that. Let's get back and talk about the mountain. And I know that as a kid, this was the vision you had when you drove in, at least when you drove in in daylight hours, but you come through Olympic Valley and why don't you describe what it's like when you drive into that valley and you look up at that, that mountain and what do you see? What do you feel? Yeah, there there is something special about just the the 
topographical shape of Palisades that is very unique. Um, and it's something I always try to explain to people, but until you experience it, you know, it is, it's this valley that the road goes right up the center of it pretty much. And when you, when you come in, you've got this buck and rail fence and then this, you know, nice meadow. And then the mountain just goes kind of, you know, you have this big, you know, uh, tram face rock buttress. And then behind it is kind of the, all the skiing. And you feel like you're in this sort of protected valley. And uh, once you're in there, it's like you could you can imagine camping in that valley and, you know, hanging out there before it was developed and just being like, this is a good spot. There's a river. There's a stream running through it. There's plenty of, like, you know, uh, protection from all sides. It's just it's a it's a great location for just hanging out right summer and winter and then the bonus that you know Paulson figured out was that it's got all this great sort of north facing terrain um that's always accessible at any point um i was uh talking to someone the other night and they were like oh yeah you know jackson's all kind of like south facing and i was like oh yeah that's a good point you know you do have at palisades you have all this Anytime you can find pockets of great snow, and that kind of is the, the, the challenge and the reward there is to kind of move around and follow the sun. One of the signature runs is, of course, KT-22, and that, too, is a part of that image when you're coming into the village. You can see the tram rising up from the village, but off on your left, you see KT-22. Mm-hmm. There's a special allure to that peak, isn't there? There is. There is. I mean, it's it's a big peak, and it's... Uh, I think it's, you know, it's like basically almost a couple thousand, you know, feet of, of, uh, vertical. So, uh, and it's straight up and down. There's no, there's no transitions, right? Like that's, you can, you can make laps on that and you, it's all, it's all sustained vertical with tons of crazy fun little, uh, features to jump off of or to ski into. I mean, I was out there shooting the Warren Miller film, uh, over the winter and I was with Tom Day and was skiing stuff that I hadn't, you know, skied before. And part of that is because from fall to spring, t- the terrain will look completely different, right? Like it, the way the snow fills into the different crags and the rock formations and, and will will change the run on a, on a weekly, monthly basis to where you're like, wow, this is like a whole new place to ski. And of course, you've got Eagle's Nest sitting up there and it's a, be- it's a beautiful spot. You get to the top and you're looking over Lake Tahoe. I mean, it's and back, back down into the uh, Alpine base of Palisades Tahoe. So it, it really is a spectacular run. A lot of guys, that's all they ski. They don't even show up there until it opens. And, you know, during the season and then they just ski that all day. They're so hardcore. Like I have a, you know, there's a mogul run there that I grew, that's where I, you know, spent my youth learning how to ski bumps. And, uh, there, there'll be guys that will wait up there till the top of the, uh, till the chair closes and then they'll slip the, the, the run so that it sort of is sweet the next day. So, I mean, it has a hardcore following for a reason, because it's some of the best skiing in the world. I think it's been rated like the number two best chairlift in all of North America or something like that. Where does the name KT-22 come from? Oh, yeah. So I'm not like completely familiar with all the details of the story, but but really the guy who um, who determined Squaw could be a great, great ski resort uh uh, Wayne Polson, he, I believe he initially, you know, he, he was from Reno and, 
and he kind of would go to the valley and hike around and ski and uh and you know he brought his wife up there um i don't know if she was his girlfriend at the time or something like that and they they hiked up kt they hiked up the kt22 uh, mountain part and i believe it took her like 22 kick turns kt22 to uh get down so <laughs> this is <laughs> something like that like she had to ski over because it's pretty steep she had to ski over and then she kicked turn and then skied over and then kicked like they must have hiked up the i don't know the route they hiked up but when she came down instead of skiing it she you know, it skied over there kick turn came across kick turn again like a diagonal on the way down. And you still see, I'm sure, a few people <laughs> doing the kick turn to get yeah. down there. Yeah. You got to experience those. Well, they, they do have, I will say, since these, this, since we are talking to people that could potentially be coming there for the first time, um, there is, there is an easy, there are easy way down, uh, KT-22. There's a, the saddle has a, has a groomed, you know, ribbon, uh, has a groomed, uh, trail that takes you down it's still it's still pretty intermediate i would say uh and above but uh depending on the snow conditions but you can definitely experience kt22 as an intermediate skier all day long so uh, it's got everything you want and you had mentioned too johnny that this is one of the places on the mountain where you can look back and look down on lake tahoe which is just magical yeah you know it's funny i was on the um i was on uh palisades instagram the other day and and someone was like, "Wow, I didn't know you. I didn't think you could see Lake Tahoe from Palisades." And it's just such a funny notion because it is. It's not on the lake. You're right. It's not like heavenly or something like that, where the you know the the run ends in the lake basically. But the views from Palisades over the lake are actually some of the most incredible um, in Tahoe. So from from all different points, from the back of KT, from the top of Red Dog, and then if you go to the top of the tram and you want to have like the most epic apre, you know, setup or lunchtime, uh, you know, view, there's a, there's a bar restaurant that's hanging out over Silverado, like over this massive valley and then, uh, look straight out over the lake. So, I mean, it's, it, it is, look, anyone who's been to Tahoe knows that it, the, the beauty is, is un, it's unrivaled. I mean, the, the contrast between the color of the lake, the, the the snow the different textures of the snow and then we have these juniper trees that are like these twisted craggy trees like the colors will blow your mind if you're if I mean, you'll be like where am i this is incredible you know it's a little thing but you mentioned those craggy old juniper trees yeah you know against this beautiful blue sky mm. and the mm. white snow i mean mm. it's just iconic it palisades is. tahoe it is i mean it's it's a it's a feast on the eyes i'm always getting my camera out and just taking pictures of weird trees that have been iced over or have snow on them or, I mean, and it's, 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 you know, the West coast is a, is a, I wouldn't call it an extreme, it's an extreme environment. You know, you go from you, we have hot powder, right? You have, you'll have a five foot dump followed by, you know, mid forties, uh, <laughs> sun. And so you get these changing, changing, um, a lot of, you know, radically different conditions within a week, which some people see as like a, a drawback. I see it as just, you know, it's like uh, ambrosia. Like you're like, wow, what are we going to see tomorrow? 
No, it, it is like that. I want to yeah. I want to take you to a different place on the mountain and one that is is another iconic spot now so much so that it's a part of the name Palisades Tahoe. But the Palisades uh, up at the top, an amazing ridge line that's very very skiable. Oh yeah, it's a great point. I mean, that, I think some <laughs> I was I got a I got an email from somebody from New Jersey and they were like Palisades. That's like Palisades. There's Palisades in New Jersey. It means like a staked fence or something like that. I'm like, no, look at the actual definition. But it doesn't even matter what the definition is. It's a sheer, you know, defined as a sheer cliff. But to to anyone who's really into skiing, uh, and you say Palisades, you know where that is. That's that's Squaw. That's that's Palisades Tahoe. And uh, so it was a very fitting name for anyone who, who for for all of us because the Palisades is this um, very flat top off of Siberia, which is at the very, you know, almost the, the very top of the mountain. It's not the peak of the mountain. The peak is at nine of top of Granite Chief. Uh, but it's this iconic uh, rock formation. Uh, and it, it has a lot of meaning to Palisades because uh, A, the way it looks. B, it was, the, the top was blown off of it to create uh, uh, like a radar system for, for airplanes back in the day. But then that created this sort of like perfect stage for skiers to ski these incredibly, um, you know, challenging lines that were made famous by Scott Schmidt and, uh, you know, uh, Greg Beck back in, 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 you know, different movies, ski movies, uh, uh, from from the 70s through the 80s and then the 90s, and then carried on by Shane McConkey and the Gaffneys and and all the guys who have like sort of like iterated on that, and so those became sort of the proving grounds for 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 Tahoe. So anyone who comes to that area and is in that you know level of skiing wants to get up there and and sort of see if they can at least take a look down. And, and it's intimidating. I mean, you have lines like Schmidtitz, which was made famous by Scott Schmidt, which is really hairy. Like it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a kill yourself line where you have to, you know, jump off this little cornice and you have to make a technical turn, like a, a, a stop your skis, check turn, and then straight. And then you have to, you know, jump off, like clear this little ollie over a little rock and then you land on the steep and then you got you got to run out that's that's pretty pretty gnarly with a cat track like a, a traverse track across it but on the other hand i uh, you know and then you got main shoot and you have all these photos and imagery from all that stuff um mcconkey making you know doing a backflip off it making it famous uh and then but there's national shoot which is down on the shoulder, which I take people to all the time. I mean, I skied it when I was nine years old, right? Like they marched the mighty mites up there. And I got, I got, had my friend who's from the, uh, lives on the East coast, uh, got him up there last, last winter and he enjoyed it. And it was, you know, it's a little scary, but you can't really, you fall, you're not hitting any rocks. So it's, it's accessible. And once again, you're up on this beautiful platform. It's just a brief hike off of Siberia, maybe a 10 minute hike. You're overlooking Tahoe. If you don't want to ski it, you can just kind of ski off the kitchen wall or ski down national. It's just another great part of Squaw's history. And I, you know, works as, as, as the name change for Palisades. You've talked about some great names like Shane McConkey and, and, and others. You are a part of this, but it's a mountain that has incredible heritage. It goes back to the 1960 Olympics where Penny Patu from the USA won silver in the downhill. Talk about the richness of the heritage at Palisades Tahoe and what it means to you to be a part of that heritage. It's a powerful uh, uh, thread that runs through uh, Palisades for sure. 
Uh, when you're there as a kid, you, you know, the expectation is uh, one for high-level competition and and creativity, too. I mean, it's the type of thing where people, you know, they, they will respect results for sure, but they also look at how you ski <laughs> and they look at what you ski at Palisades. And so they, there's, there's a certain level of respect amongst everybody there for their, their skills. And that goes back to this, this Olympic heritage, right? Um, that goes back to, to, uh, the whole heritage of how it was created, right? The, the idea that it was kind of, you know, um, when when that the fact that they were able to have the Olympics in squaw, what Cushing did to get the Olympics to squaw, and sort of this renegade founder who who uh, you know uh, you know convinced the Olympic Committee to to that there was this resort out in Tahoe that could potentially host the this massive Winter Games um, with really just like a a, a makeshift model and. And then the the effort they put forth, and then the results that came out of there, like you said, Penny Patu, all these sort of great moments. The first time it was televised, and and that is just filtered down, right? John Varney won the downhill coming off of the the shoulder of Palisades, right, uh, off of off of Siberia, and really put you know Palisades on the map, right? And uh, but what that did was it created this incredible. Um, globe, this kind of sphere of 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 talent and and um, intensity there, you know, like Jimmy Huga, for example. So, uh, you know, Jimmy Huga was was uh, one of our great uh, World Cup skiers, Olympians, and and he was, you know, kind of a boy hanging around. His dad worked at the mountain. So there was this instructor that was brought over, Emil Ale, uh, and he was this great World Cup champion, dominant figure in uh, alpine racing at the time to to kind of head up the ski school. And, you know, I think it kind of starts with, with his influence, right? He, he taught Jimmy Huga as a six-year-old who ended up being, you know, an Olympic medalist and in, uh, first, one of the first American Olympic medalists in, on the World Cup. And, uh, and I guess my point is, is that when you're there growing up skiing, everyone you're, you're sitting next to on the chairlift, all your coaches have some legacy of, of great, of greatness in the ski world. So, you know, you, you really feel that people are, are invested in, in coaching kids in the right way and bringing them up and seeing it carry on. And, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool, cool scene in that way. Yeah. It, it is amazing to see that heritage. Jimmy Huga went on to win an Olympic bronze medal in 1964, along with teammate Billy Kidd, who, who won the silver. Johnny, we've talked a lot about the primary mountain, uh, the the one that is very familiar to folks. It's in Olympic Valley, but there are now two mountains that are part of Palisades Tahoe, the other being Alpine Meadows. Just a few miles away by shuttle, they are both included on the Mountain Collective Pass as one day, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to burn two days and go into each one. And there's even a gondola in the very near future uh, that's going to connect the two. Alpine Meadows, really a stunning scenery again, but really a completely different feel and vibe. Absolutely. Uh, It's going to be amazing when they connect those two. and the towers are up. It's it's happening. So I'm excited to be able to sort of jump on a lift and just jump over there. Currently, you can just go. You can get a shuttle. It's about a 15 minute ride back and forth. Um, but Alpine is such a great spot to ski as well. And like you said, totally different flavor. 
Uh, it has its own palisades there and uh, and its own sort of like hike twos, Estelle and Beaver, some great skiing. It also has the ability to leave the resort. You can you can uh, check out and, and go out of bounds there, which is something that's unique to to uh, Alpine. And then it just has amazing, uh, you know, great groomers, incredible uh, different aspects that you're even closer to the lake, so you're getting those lake views. And um, and one of my favorite things at at uh, Alpine is is uh, the little like uh, there's a little chalet like kind of a mid-mountain chalet that's tucked in this little sort of grove of trees and you can sit out on the deck and in an Adirondack chair and have a great beer and a dog or a bratwurst or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a totally different vibe. Grateful Dead music playing constantly at the single ba- base lodge, a little more chill uh, than than over at the, you know, at the Olympic Valley base. Um, certainly worth uh, checking out. It's great. It's a very California feel, isn't <laughs> yeah. it there? Yeah, it, it, it brings you back to the sort of uh, original vibe of, of skiing in California, for sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's intentionally sort of going to stay that way. Uh, they've made some improvements. They've, uh, you know, they've, they've made uh, the Treeline Cirque Lift, which was a huge improvement. So they're modernizing stuff, but they're keeping that sort of, you know, um, that vibe at, at the base lodge, for sure. They have a great... Great uh, apres ski bar in there where you can you know put put someone's you can come in and put someone's name on the list and they come in and see if their name's up there and then they get a you know that's a beer for them like you can buy someone a beer ahead of time like stuff like that where you just it's it's a great vibe so listeners can actually come in there they yeah. can buy a beer for Johnny Mosley yeah and you'll be watching for it I'll cruise up and I'll be like oh hey look someone bought me a beer I don't know it's great yeah. huh <laughs> yeah like stuff stuff like that it has you know it's it's an it's got a it's got and talk about like sort of a, a great local, you know, vibe. Everyone's so friendly there. And they they in there and they, they are hardcore to that mountain. They love it and it's got its own sort of, you know, uh following. Springtime in Tahoe is a really special time. You keep your snowpack really late there. So does that really open up a lot of activities like being able to ski or go down and golf or go out on the lake? It does. Uh, spring in, you know, they call it the spring skiing capital uh, for a reason. The first thing is we, we get a lot of snow and, and it, it can last. I mean, we've been skiing into June. It happens regularly. We'll ski into June. And uh, so as we just get these major snow packs and, and it stays. Uh, and so, and we can stay open, right? Like in in Colorado, they have they have to shut down because of the Forest Service, et cetera. Uh, but but we can stay open as long as we we want to, um, and and the mountain is great about that. They 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 really love the spring skiing scene, and they'll they'll keep it open. We have we have the original and first uh, pond skim. It's not like a trench like that's been dug. You know, special. It's a, it's an actual pond, and it's it's totally organic, and you know, uh, it's it's a great event. Um, and then just the skiing in the spring is is top notch, right? You just have all these great aspects that come alive that time of year. Um, it's warm, and yes, you have the lake there. You've got the Truckee River going right by 89. Um, it is an absolutely great t-shirt type, uh, you know, skiing scene uh, that you you don't want to miss. Cool. The, the, uh, the opera scene is really pretty cool there too. I mean, you have the resort and you have the communities of Truckee and Tahoe city nearby, but first of all, right at the base and let's go back over to the uh, primary mountain. Uh, but what's, what's that scene like in the, in the, in the village and what are some of the hot spots there? 
Yeah. Uh, the Olympic base, Olympic Valley base um, at at Palisades is really famous for uh, its its apres, and there's a, lots of different options. Uh, the most legendary one that makes all, that tops the charts for apres ski scenes is the Chamois, also known as the Chamois. Uh, right, sort of, it's a great location. Basically, you can ski right off the mountain run, around, take your skis off, and you're there. And it's this great deck uh, that soaks up the afternoon sun, looks straight back up the valley, and they've got you know beers out there, and you never even have to go inside, and there's, you know can hold hundreds of people out there and it's just like that's the go-to that's where you go and then of course if you want more you can go upstairs to the loft bar and they also happen to have great pizza and and it's just a real casual casual scene um love it there there's also sort of the classic uh plaza bar which has been there um since the early days and and that's cool in its own right too because it's kind of you when you go in there you you get some sense of it's the original Olympic house, right? That was the building that was built for the Olympics. So you, you get these big high ceilings with these big beams and it's a little cozier, a little more room to spread out, right? You can almost get like, it's almost like a, you can get like a, like a couch. You can get, you can go over there with like 10 buddies and, and your families and your kids can run around. It's a little more, less, less rowdy, right? You get a nice like hot toddy, you know, um, cause Shammy doesn't serve mixed drinks, stuff like that. So a little bit of a different scene, a little different vibe. There'll be a little bit of like a little apre music, like that, that, that type of thing, especially if it's snowing outside, you know, Shammy's definitely more like a, a little bit of a warmer weather type situation. And then of course there's been, been a couple, there's a classic new, new addition to the, to the whole thing called the slot bar which is a tiny little it's named the slot is a run on head wall which is a famous like really great steep little run and there's a little little bar now i mean maybe holds you know when it's got 20 people it's packed great great call to go there it's like a ring the bell type place you know they're playing ski movies all the time everyone's you know pro skis are signed on the wall love that i mean there's a lot of great options i could go on and on you know uh bistro 22 is great um uh, I, I, rocker named you know the the, the signature item the the rocker skis named after Shane McConkey. Um incredible nachos there which I, I love sitting out on that deck and having nachos and and uh, and some beers and looking back up the mountain and that's more central in the village so you can kind of catch your buddies walking by just it's a I mean Apparatus Squaw is a great scene. <laughs> Johnny, you are literally a walking brochure <laughs> for Palisades Tahoe. And yeah. I know that listeners right now are like, okay, I got to get my mountain collective pass. I got to book <laughs> the tickets. But the other thing that's really amazing, I mean, it's it's just kind of a little known thing, but I have always loved flying into Reno. I mean, what a mm. simple airport. And it's like four, 45 minutes up to Palisades Tahoe. Yeah, it is an incredibly easy place to get to flying in. Uh, Reno Airport is is uh it's just a great spot it's one of those places where you can still like basically park at the airport <laughs> you know you can pull up and park like that gives you the idea right you don't have to like park two miles out and take a shuttle you can just pull right in um very small short short distance from the gates to to the luggage but yet it's it's pretty modern like it's a it's a very modern uh airport and it's very close yeah like you said you know 40 45 minutes um on an easy drive like highway 80s four lanes you know and it goes into two through the pass and you know you might get some snow in there but in general it's a pretty easy drive 
Yeah. The other thing, if, if folks want to take a collective trek and uh, piece together Palisades, Tahoe, use a couple days in your mountain collective pass and then go down to Mammoth. It's actually just a little bit over, what, three hours or so down to Mammoth. And you can use a couple days down there as well. Absolutely. And a beautiful drive, too. I mean, 395, you're going by a mono lake. Um, you're, so you're kind of hitting hitting some spots on the way. Uh, it, in the winter, it could be, you know, Stay away from a storm drive on 395. It can be a white knuckler, but if you know, pick pick a good day and uh, drive down there, and you'll really enjoy the drive. I mean, it is beautiful. You're going through all these different environments, but yeah, about a three hour drive, and you're in Mammoth, which I mean, Mammoth is. We'll let someone else speak on Mammoth, but I mean, the story with Mammoth, right, is they they're up a little bit higher. They get incredible snow. Um, it's massive, you know, so you, you can cover that with someone else, but yeah, it's an incredible option to be able to ski, you know, Palisades and Mammoth in the same trip. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Just some great skiing in the Sierras. Johnny, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to wrap it up with a little section that we call Collective Dreams and some of your favorite things. And we've, we've talked about these resorts, uh, the Olympic Valley side of Palisades Tahoe and also the Alpine Meadows side. But if you had to pick a favorite run, that like go-to spot that's like deep in your heart at both Olympic Valley side and over at Alpine Meadows, what would those two runs be? <laughs> well, it's it's... I do have a spot at at the on the Olympic Valley side of Palisades that's near to my heart, right? It's right on the tree line between Shoot Seventy Five and West Face, and it's the it's it, it, I'm biased because it was the run that I my coach <clears throat> would make me drill. It's it's a long the West Face is a very uh, sustained, it's probably the most sustained vertical at all of at all of Palisades, and uh, in in it it often has moguls and there's a top section and then there's a middle section and that all has a different, different character. The top section has what like an egg carton type moguls. And then it goes into like kind of a really steep section where the moguls are more spread out. And then the bottom section, it starts to tighten up. And then there's a fourth section, which is almost like a whole mogul run. So for our team growing up, we just lived on that run because you're just so efficient to get tons of laps. And uh, my coach would make me like build a jump in there. And then we would hike up and, and hit it right in the steepest section. I really sort of refined my skills there. Now I go and ski there. Um, so after I won the Olympics, they named they, they named that part of the run after me. Of course so, they did. Of course. So I'm not I am biased, but it, it's sometimes they name runs after people like they didn't want to name that run after me. Like they 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 were like, oh, we we should do something. He's from here, so they picked out some off the beaten path run because the West Face is this hallowed ground, and my coach was like you got to name the West face. That's where he trained, you know? And they were like, Whoa, the West face. And still to this day. So they renamed it. And, uh, still to this day, people have like, like stick, like a license plate ring that says, forget Mosley's. It's still the West face, you know, like literally someone has a license plate, which I think just adds character to totally it. Totally does. And, but it just so happens to be my favorite run too. And, and it's a lot of people's favorite runs because it sort of, it holds great snow. The, when you get right next to the trees, you can ski sort of like wind buff. You'll get pow in there. So that's my favorite run there over at uh, on the Olympic Valley side um, of Palisades. And then on the uh, Alpine side of Palisades, 
it's funny. I'm really just getting to know Alpine in the last 10 years since, because when I was a kid, my past didn't let me ski over there, right? So we would just go there for contests and, and certain events and stuff like that. But my, my parents aren't like, no, we're not paying for you to ski over there like, as well. But ever since the pass opened up, whenever that was, I've been skiing there a ton. I mean, I'm, I'm there all the time. Uh, and I just, I just love it over there. Uh, I would say my favorite runs over there, uh, I, I think, you know, high yellow, you know, that whole area, uh, is, is, uh, is a pretty amazing little shot, little, it can be either a quick hike to, or you can just cut in, um, through deer camp. And, and that, that whole section is so fun and playful. My kid, uh, competes there in big mountain contests and it's a challenging run has a nice little shoot called i think it's called our father or something like that and uh anyway that's that's my favorite spot over there so if you've got somebody who's out there in their mountain collective pass for the first time and you want to show them a good opera experience where are you going to take them (laughs) uh yeah so uh I mean, clearly you got to kind of, you got to kind of do the, the standards, right? I think, you know, you, you come down, maybe you hit, you hit chamois, right? You gotta, that's where you, everyone sort of collects and, and you know, you, you have a beer there. They, they maybe, uh, get a slice of pizza or something like that. Although that, that'll, that cause you to go inside. So I'd probably chill there. And then I kind of cruise through, you kind of make your way into the village. Um, usually there's like a, uh, there's like a there's this guy Rusty Reams, uh, the great bingo revival that's usually playing on the deck of Bistro. Outside. Bingo's making a comeback. Yeah, and uh, and he is an incredible uh, DJ. He's a big time skier. Like he wanted to you know be a pro skier, and, and so he's legit. So he knows how to get the how to get the vibe going. And so we probably stop off at Bistro and and get into that scene um, and uh, and and party there a little bit, and then. Uh, and then we'd probably end up, you know, if, if we were really, if we were getting after it, he'd probably stop at the slot, which is right around the corner there. And, uh, you know, that's if you really kind of want to send it. Cause when you get, when you get in there, it, you know, it's steamy, it gets ugly. Someone starts ringing the bell and buying, buying shots for everyone. And the shot ski comes out and that whole thing. So it's all a part of the, it's, part of it's the vibe. All, it's all there if you want it. But yeah, that's, that'd probably be the, uh, that'd probably be the, uh, that'd probably be the program. <laughs> to start with <laughs> how about maybe on the on the quieter side of things you know you and you and your wife the, the kids are off somewhere and you and your wife are going to go out for a really nice dinner yeah. where, where are you going to go yeah yeah great call yeah and 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 apre with my wife is different too right apre with like we will hit rocker and and hit those nachos and it's a little mellower you know there might be a game on uh the kids can come hang and uh they'll they'll meet us there and we'll we'll you know we'll get them fed as well and just get it all done and 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 be done with dinner and the whole nine yards right right there at rocker so i love that vibe um you know as far as going out to dinner plump jack is 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 the nicest dinner and uh we we love it there it's it's a great spot um and uh definitely spend some time in there uh with my wife as well yeah it's amazing wine yeah. Just amazing wine. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend that. Uh, Johnny, this has been great to talk with you. I'm going to hit you with one more question, which I know is challenging to a lot of people, but these mountains at Palisades Tahoe, I know mean a lot to you. And if you had to distill it down to one word, what do these mountains represent to you, Johnny Mosley? <laughs> I mean, the, the word that pops into my mind, I guess, is character. And I don't know why, but I think it 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 is really... The, the 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 character of the mountains, the characters that frequent the mountains, I think has shaped who I am. 
and and you know the the time I've spent there with my family, not just my current family, but my parents, my brothers. Uh, you know, it's really part of a, it's, it's the fat, I I feel like it's so woven into my personality, you know, uh, what I think about, how I think about life. Um, and, and I love all the different, uh, flavors at Squaw, the, the different people, the different characters, the different opinions, the different styles of skiing. And I, I, I think it can be wildly like, uh, it's like almost like a surf, surf scene local type of thing that can that can seem chaotic from the outside but it's also what gives it sort of its flavor right people are passionate about the place and and that comes through and uh and and i love that you know one of the things that to me is the real beauty of what the mountain collective pass offers is every ski area it has its own character and mm-hmm. and it has that feel and that vibe and you have the opportunity with the mountain collective pass now to travel around the world literally and yeah. try these different places but but palisades tahoe man it really does have that character i love that johnny that's <laughs> that's the that's a great word <laughs> Hey, thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you've had a good time. And uh, I'm, I'm sure if any of our Mountain Collective uh, skiers or riders are out there and they find you on the mountain, uh, you can show them some that's your actually, private stash. That's a great point. Um, I do I ski with Johnny Days there. So Beautiful. if you're there, happen to be there over the holidays, uh, uh, it's like from the, Christ, the day after Christmas until New Year's. I, I'm on the mountain. I ski with whoever shows up. Uh, I usually meet at the bottom of the Funatel. And then I... I take, I ramp it up. So if you're, if you're an intermediate, I I try to stay, keep it, keep it mellow for an hour. And then we, by the end, I'll show you the the real deal. And we, and we go at it and, uh, and I really enjoy it. I love it. And if you're not there during that time, hit me on Instagram. If I'm on the mountain, I'll, uh, I'll definitely take a run with you. Johnny Mosley, <laughs> Olympic champion, skier extraordinaire. It's been great to have you. I mean, you are such a great representative of the sport. And thanks for joining us on Inside the Mountain Collective. It's always great to talk to you, Tom. Thanks. Thanks again to Johnny Mosley for the tour of his home resort, Palisades Tahoe. This winter, grab your Mountain Collective Pass and head to Reno International Airport. Spend a couple of days down at Mammoth Mountain and then a few more up at Palisades Tahoe. It's a great collective trek. Watch for more episodes on Inside the Mountain Collective coming soon. I'm your host, Tom Kelly, and thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the mountain this season. Are you ready to build your own collective trek? The Mountain Collective Pass is your ticket to multi-resort skiing or riding. Get yours today at mountaincollective.com. You'll get two days at each participating resort, plus 50% off additional days. It is the perfect pass to take just one trip and be able to ski or ride at multiple resorts. Build your own collective trek today. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe to get every episode delivered directly to you. Watch for more episodes of Inside the Mountain Collective. And I'll see you on the mountain.